This is the show with Cannon Brown. Well, howdy, Tyler. How the heck are you now? <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Oh, gosh dang. It feels like I just talked to you. I know it. Hey, that's all right. That uh, that happens uh, on this podcasting deal. Sometimes I don't have the mi- right microphone hooked up. Hey, it's okay. I understand. I don't have anything else to do on a Sunday night. Well, uh, I mean, it's pretty late, isn't it, there now? I mean, you're in Nebraska time. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost 11 p.m., but uh, that's all right. Yeah, I had, wor- I had work today, so uh, Tyler is ho- held out for me. He's a working man, and he held out for me and is staying up a little bit later. Past his bedtime, one might say. Uh, yeah, way past my bedtime, but that's okay. I was getting my Parks and Rec in. Oh, so <laughs> gotta love it. Uh, what season are you watching? Um, so this will be season three for like the fifth time. Of course, <laughs> it, it's it's like either that or The Office. Season like Parks and Rec season three and four, or Office season three and four. Those are gold. Those are golden. That's very true. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, how about Nebraska football, man? Oh gosh, I didn't even watch yesterday because I just had a feeling, and I was right. It's a bad deal. It wasn't good. I mean, I remember for like first game, everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, Nebraska's back! I know. Go, go Big Red!" I know. I've been a Nebraska fan my whole life. I'm I'm proud to have gone to the university, but uh, yeah, the fans get awful proud, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure why we were ranked. To be honest, at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody knew why you guys were ranked. <laughs> Just kidding. If you, I mean, Colby's gonna listen to this probably. He's gonna be like, "You guys stop talking shit about Nebraska." Oh, I know. No, no, no. But um, yeah, that that's it's not a good deal. It's not a good deal. Let's give some intros really quick, um, because people probably don't know what the heck's happening here. I'm <laughs> I am talking to Mr. Tyler Pickenpaw, uh, one of my best friends guy I went to Casper College with, heck of a lot, heck of a livestock evaluator, producer, um, and just an overall good guy in general. <laughs> Gee, you're going to make me blush. How was that intro, dude? That was pretty good. I don't know if I deserve that nice of an intro. Well, I mean, I can make it worse. You want me to do a different one? <laughs> no, let's stick with that. Let's stick with that. Okay, perfect. Uh, Star Wars enthusiast. Oh, gosh. Don't eat, dude, we won't even have time to talk about anything livestock if we get down that way. Yeah, we don't really need to, but... <laughs> uh, dude, I haven't talked to you, but when I went to Disneyland, I went to the yep. Star Wars part. Oh, I'm very jealous. The newly created... Dude, you're walking through a, a Star Wars town. It's nuts. It's oh, absolutely nuts. That sounds like where I want to live. They've got stormtroopers walking around, and they're like hassle you really yeah it's kind of wild like they'll walk up to you and be like oh where are your papers watch out for the emperor tell me you pulled the these are not the droids you're looking for oh my gosh are you really asking me that of course i did oh okay actually i didn't (laughs) oh okay Uh, i'm gonna be honest with you i completely forgot about these are not the droids you were looking for (laughs) it was a good time though the ride was fun yeah, I bet it looks pretty good, dude. It's like a, it's an interactive deal. You sit in like a little pod, and um, there's you go in with like your group. So you have to have like six people in your group, basically. So the front two people are the are the uh, pilots, the middle people are the gunners, and then the 
people at the end are the engineers and you're working with like your whole group to try to like um get some cargo and and try to figure out what to do i don't know how to explain it but it sounds like a blast it is it's but, on my butt list so yeah uh it, it was a good time but um yeah here's tyler one of my really good friends and we're gonna talk about colby birch's episode what a good guy right oh yeah and a wealth of knowledge you sure. know him pretty well yeah i've had the uh the opportunity to uh to meet colby and uh I've gone up to his place, and man, that is a cool place. If you ever get the chance, or uh, if there's people out there that have been to it, they'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, Colby and Mickey and Miles, uh, their son, they uh, have kind of a, a all indoor operation in a way. Um, they they got a pretty cool barn set up where they can feed those ewes and keep them uh, under shade and in the barn all summer, uh, and then um, you know, lamb them out, heated temperature controlled lambing rooms and those kind of things, bunk lines inside uh very well well taken care of pretty cool operation to see and you go up there and talk to colby um about stuff and and just about the industry and and he's got a lot of of, a lot of interesting things to say and a a lot of you know good points and and very detail oriented very detail oriented and and like the uh i mean we've talked about this before but he's very minor detail oriented which is I think is super important to anybody. Uh, if you want to be successful in any um, industry or any organization out there, it's important to focus on the minor details. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, you know, anything in life, if, if you're not putting 110% down to the bare, bare little thing, um, you're not, you're not going to get what you want out of it. And like when you go up there and talk to him, you know, as far as nutrition, breeding, timing, genetics, mating decisions, all those things uh, he's got locked down, and, and as any producer should or, or would want to, um, you know, he, he, he's got a lot, of, of, a lot of cool vantage points now. I think uh, on, on the interview, talking to him about uh, how you, uh, you know, spoke to him about getting those sheep set up early uh, for when they breed those things, um, I think is, is a pretty good deal. Um, you know, getting, getting the ewes all synced up together, getting the stress out of the way. Uh, instead of throwing it all in front of them and, and in front of their breeding season, I thought that was a, a, a interesting take and, and something that if we ever decide to go with the AI route and sink and use up and that kind of thing, that I'm sure we're going to practice. Um, but man, if you go up there, just the way his sheep look, just being fleshy and 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 good look, good looking mamas and um, the setup they have is, is really cool. And you know, Colby, uh, when we went down to that show. And you interviewed him live there, and and he asked me to go along. Um, you now I was talking to him. He always gets real nervous about uh, leaving home. Um, I've gone with him to Indiana before, and, and he he doesn't like being away from them sheep uh, very long, and, and being away from home, uh, he likes to be right there, involved in it every day, which I completely understand, and and I'm kind of the same way. I don't want to leave him without me too long, just in case something happens. Uh, but I think that's. Uh, that's the basis of, of what makes has made his program so successful to this point. Yeah, and I, I would have to agree with you. And I think the the thing that drove me nuts was when he was talking about feeding him kind of lower protein feed to make sure their internal temperature was right. I thought that was nuts, dude. Oh, yeah. I, I would have never thought about that. But, yeah, no, he's got all sorts of, of – 
of things that uh, he uses to to make sure that those those sheep are going to produce like they should to make him make him money and keep him in business. Well, and I mean, as he said when we were in our, in our interview, he makes a living doing this. So <laughs> if you're making a living doing this, you should probably put in that time and effort to figure out what the heck is going on and and what what can make your sheep be the best that they can be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't afford to to you know not put in the effort and the time um, when you're dealing with that those kind of numbers and and depending on that to to keep you know basically make a living you can't can't slouch can't screw it up yeah i would have to agree with you and and especially because he's just selling to junior kids i mean he probably sells some to producers but he's mostly selling to junior kids and you you don't want to cheat these kids out of out of good livestock i mean you want to try to produce them the best that they can possibly be for these kids to go out there and be as competitive as they can possibly be Right. Yep. Yep. Make, making a, a good, wholesome, you know, product, just like anything else. Exactly. Um, it's really important to, to keep your customer base happy and, and intact. Speaking of uh, just showing livestock in general, I know it's something you wanted to really touch on, something that Colby and I touched on at the beginning of the show or our episode, because as you said, I did interview him at a jackpot show and we talked about that in, in the interview, but you wanted to talk about kind of the importance of junior junior livestock shows and junior programs and i mean it's been talked about before and it'll be talked about again but um let's let's kind of hear your uh your side of it let's hear your pitch for uh 4-h and ffa <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> to, to, oh, wow. to kids that are already in 4-h and ffa yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no i think when you know colby said it on your interview um the world would be a much better place if more families and people did this and i i I think I completely agree with him. Um, I mean, what better way to learn responsibility, how to take care of, of some, you know, livestock, uh, how to take care of, of business management practices, um, you know, how to build a network and communicate. What better way than, than 4-H or FFA or, or youth ag? And, and regardless of what you're doing, I mean, even if you're, you're doing a, a static exhibit, uh, building a bench or a saddle or something like that um it still takes the time and effort you got to talk to people you got to go to the store and buy things um you got to put the time and the effort into making sure that that's going to be a good product at the end for your county fair or your state fair whatever level you're doing this at and the same with if you're showing a barrow and you got to go out every morning and walk him um and feed him and mess with hair and, and wash and you know clean pins and it takes a lot of time and effort and i think uh you know I, I would have not wanted to, to grow up doing anything else. I, you know, I'm a, a huge baseball fan and, and love playing baseball. Uh, but gosh dang, I was so addicted to, to showing pigs and lambs um, and just uh, loved the, the work and being out in the barn and meeting people and, and going to shows on the weekends and meeting friends. Loved it so much that I, I didn't play sports as a kid uh, because, you know, that's all I wanted to do was be in the barn um, and, and messing with these livestock or doing 4-H projects. That's what my whole world revolved around growing up. And I just think, uh, you know, you talk about uh, pitching to kids that are already in 4-H and FFA. Well, that's probably a really important set of kids to pitch to so they can exactly. go out and tell their friends how great this deal is and, and how we need to get more people involved. And I think it's growing. I think it really is growing and good pace. But, you know, just getting more kids into it and, you know, obviously, you and I are, are pretty big um, advocates before the uh, um, 
livestock sector, but I just think having kids involved in, in 4-H and FFA in general, whether you're doing static exhibits or a CDE that's agronomy or something like that, you learn so much. You learn so much. And I know I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my parents and my grandparents making sure that I was out there doing that stuff and getting me involved in it. And for my ag teachers growing up and coaches and all those things through judging, um, certainly wouldn't be here without uh, without them uh, making sure that uh, I had those opportunities. Yeah, it's just so important. And, and I think you're right. It's important still uh, to pitch this to kids that are already in 4-H and FFA just because those are the people that are going to be going into the industry now. I mean, those are the people that are going to be replacing these jobs that need to be filled. I mean, we, we can talk about the lack of ag teachers all day. We need ag teachers all around the country, and we need to we need people to stick in 4-H and FFA to get that side of it and maybe pursue a career in, in the agriculture field. Uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's, all, there's so many jobs to be filled in this industry. I just think that we need to keep keep pushing it to people. Yeah, absolutely. And God bless ag teachers, right? Oh yeah. I tossed around the idea of trying to be one, but I, I still do. I, yeah, I know. I think it would be a blast and those guys put in so much effort and, and there's not enough of them. And I commend anyone that, that goes down that path because um, I know the, the impact that my ag teacher, uh, Jason Groney had on, on my life and my, my judging career. Uh, I, I think that you know, having people like that, that, that want to do that for kids and, and give them those opportunities is, is crucial to um, the future of our industry uh, and the future of this country. Um, I think uh, I think it's, it's the best thing for sure for kids to be involved in. Yeah, and I think it was awesome that Colby taught for a little while too. I mean, he said he taught for like seven years just to do it. Yeah. That's, I, that's, that's, that's something. I mean, you're just going to teach ag. I mean, it was a job, so we... He's paying. He's paying bills on it, but uh, he said he'd go back to it at any point, which is awesome. I think that's incredible that he liked it that much that he'd go back at, at any point to continue. Oh yeah, I mean the people that teach ag, ag teachers or, or communicate ag, um, those people j- get just as much out of it as as being involved in it because you know, I can't. I love working with kids and you know you with your podcast and and getting out to people and talking to people and interviewing people. And getting this platform in front of my kids, I think, is a great thing. And I think, you know, if you're on that end of it, you get just as much out of it as if you were on the, you know, as growing up and, and being involved in those programs, for sure. I would have to agree with you. Now, let's get back to the episode with Colby. And I wanted, yep. to, I wanted to bring it back to a commonality that you and Colby have. Uh, and not only are you guys both sheep producers, uh, but you're also from Wyoming. Tell me a little bit about the atmosphere growing up in that state, um, because sometimes it's forgotten, like most states in the West. Tell me how it was trying to tell me how it is and is going to be trying to make a name for yourself out of Wyoming. Right. Well, we grew up with no cell phones, had to ride horses to school and chop firewood every day. <laughs> That's Torrington. That's Torrington. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you did no, ride horses um, to school, though. That, I did do that my senior year. Uh, it's a state law. Anyone out there, you get a fun fact. State law in Wyoming that the principal of the high school or school has to provide care for horses if you ride them to school. So one of my best buddies, uh, his dad was the principal, and a bunch of us ganged up, and we showed up the last day of our senior year on about 10 head of horses 
and they did not think that that was that funny. I think that's hilarious, dude. I oh, <laughs> I find that so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> but uh, no, um, I mean, you spent some time up and you know going to to school in Wyoming, um, and you live you and I lived uh, working for my dad that summer. Uh, Wyoming's kind of like a high desert. Um, it's beautiful in the summer, but it's miserable in the winter. <laughs> Oh yeah, it is. It's so cold and windy, and the snow is terrible, and um, it makes doing it makes raising livestock challenging because you you have to face extremes on both ends of the climate, um, and that was something that I, I I never really loved growing up. To be honest with you, I hate snow, don't like it at all, and I don't like the wind. Um, but gosh dang, like fall and the summer in Wyoming is is beautiful. Um, and there's a lot of grass, especially this year. There was a lot of grass. Uh, you know, it may not be tall grass, but there is a lot of it. and It's got a lot of good nutrient value. So it's a good place to raise livestock. Um, you know, as far as showing growing up, uh, our, our circuit or whatever you want to call it was not huge. Um, you know, basically the, the same group of kids every weekend and, and you knew who you were going to see. And, um, and and there's, you know, Wyoming's the smallest state in the United States. Uh, so the population you know, kind of limits us from that regard, but I also really liked it and uh, made connections with people all across the state and showed into Nebraska and Colorado and Montana. Um, that was always fun, but, you know, as a young producer, it has been very challenging to get our livestock uh, out in front of people um, because I think, you know, Colby talked about it in his interview. He's starting to raise sheep out there in Casper, Wyoming, it's hard to get guys from the Midwest to come out to Casper, Wyoming, or Wyoming for that matter, and look at sheep or calves or whatever you're trying to sell. Uh, when they got all those other producers that are within a couple hours, you know, all around them out there in Iowa and Indiana and, and Illinois and those places. Um, so it, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And, um, you know, that's something that with myself um, and, and my parents and my, and my dad, especially, he's always the one having to haul stuff around. Um, but we, we try to be pretty flexible with people. If they're not willing to, to make the drive up here, we're, we're willing to meet them halfway or to, I mean, in one case, we drove a sheep all the way down to Texas just so a family could get a hold of it and, and take them to a Texas major. And I, I think that's important, especially when you're a small guy, being flexible and, and realizing, you know, you got to get your stuff out there um, and expand, especially when you're in a, a state that we, we're not able to, uh, to, to show year round. I mean, our show season's pretty short, really. Um, don't show into the winter. We do have stock shows in the winter months for those serious families, but the, the general, you know, show stock kids show in the summer, and that's that's it. End up being done at our state fair. So, yeah, and uh, it's it's a it's a good place. I mean, Wyoming is a good place, and it, it does get forgotten sometimes, and it's hard to get people out there to look at livestock, um, but it's it's worth it sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of good stock that's coming out of that place uh, from a number of different families. Oh, so. yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's good stock kids. There's a lot of good stock kids, uh, um, you know, but just like anywhere, um, good stock kids come from everywhere. So now uh, Colby and I talked a little bit about marketing in our episode and, and kind of just sale practices that he does. Um, tying in on that as a as a young producer, I keep calling you a young producer. I hate doing that to you. I don't know. Do you like I, that term? I'm a young producer. Okay. I, I would rather be called a young producer because I would feel real bad about myself with where, 
with where we're at right now if I was an old producer. so. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but as a young producer just trying to push your stock and, and push the good ones out to the general public, uh, what is what are your practices getting out there? Because I know Colby talked about he, I mean, he has his weekly sales in the spring. What what are you doing to try to push it out there? And and what should young producers of livestock be doing right now? Yeah, so I mean, Colby Colby talked about which I think it's awesome that that weekly top ten he's got where he takes the ten best sheep in the barn every week and, and offers them to the public. I mean, that's a that was that's smart. revolutionary. That was smart. That was dang smart and. And I mean, you look at his sales and his, they are up there in terms of value, just like those high dollar sales. His is right there in the mix of things every time. And, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, he talked about, he was confident, um, or, or maybe not confident, but that, you know, thought that if he could use these online sales, that it would allow him to, to do this full time. And, uh, I think that that's, uh, there's a lot of, a truth there using the online sale platform you know being a smaller producer and a younger producer um it's hard to market stuff especially with our location with no name really um it's hard to to get people to to want to buy in and i, I talked with a lot of, of of kids our age or producers our age uh that are raising sheep and we every time i feel like i talked to zane Mackey a lot um a neighbor of ours and he, he raises some, um, some pretty good sheep. And we all, every time I talk to him, we talk about, man, if we could just get that one family, that one family to buy and just give us a chance, just give us a shot. And, and, you know, everyone raises bad ones. It's not like, you know, the biggest sheep operations don't raise bad ones. Yeah. So just give the, give a little guy a shot. And, and that's, that's really what we're hoping for. And, and we've had awesome families. I mean, we're very blessed with the customers that we have, we got a small group of customers, but we're very close knit and they've been very successful. And, and I think another big thing about being a young producer is, you know, for me, I, I, I think that what keeps our customers coming back is the amount of time that, uh, I spend, my dad spends, my fiance spends talking to our producers, uh, or to our customers, sorry, um, about the, the projects and, and what they're doing and, and how they're feeding them and, you know, just building friendships and connections and getting out there and working with those kids, I think is really important. Um, and that's, and that's something that I've kind of prided us, uh, prided myself on is just being involved uh, or trying to be involved as best I can around my work schedule, um, with those kids, because, uh, at the end of the day, I'd love to just raise sheep, you know, full time. Um, so I want to, I want to do the best I can to be out there in front of those, those families and, and working with them. And continuing to grow, you know, we if we can bring on a couple new families every year, I consider that a win uh, because the market is it's really saturated. And, you know, we talked about this earlier. There's a lot of people that are trying to raise sheep right now, and it's it's kind of it can be discouraging um, when when you don't have the the big budget to go out and just drop fifty thousand on an elite buck or you know go flush ten of your best use. It, it can be discouraging when you can't keep up like that. So I think making, you know, smart breeding decisions, realizing what you have. And, and it kind of goes back to that old saying, um, use what you have or, you know, you know, don't go out and spend the money when you don't need to use what you have and just continue to build off that. And it might take more time. Um, but in the end, you know, if you use your head and, and, and um, 
put the right pieces together, it'll it'll pay off. So we're we're practicing that and and trying to make it all come together. Yeah, and I I, I think that's all you can do right now, especially as as a younger producer and as a as a newer producer. You talked about kind of kind of being personal and going to those shows and, and reaching out and going the extra mile for your customers. And I think that's super, super important for, for new producers to do that because you, you can't keep up with the quantity of quality that the bigger guys have, right? but, but the quality that you have, uh, you can make up for the quantity in, in terms of personality and, and being there when they have questions and, and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's, that's a pretty good way to put it. And I think too, um, another thing is, is not only building relationships with customers, but building relationships with other producers. Uh, you know, we talked about this before. I think it's a really good point. If you're a young producer, don't be scared to go out and talk to these guys that have been successful and been in the business for a while. I know we build them up on a pedestal and, and, and idolize them, but they're, they're just people. And uh, you go and ask him for questions. I mean, ask Colby Birch anything. He'll he'll tell you of what he thinks and what you think you should do, um, or or any producer. You know, there's all sorts of guys out there that are willing to help the next next uh, of line of, of producers and, and to keep this deal going because we're all doing it for the same reason. We're passionate about ag. We're passionate about raising livestock. Um, so th- those guys are approachable, and I'd encourage anyone to to get out of your comfort zone and and you know go talk to them and ask them questions. Yeah. And how are you going to learn if you don't ask questions? Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that these guys, there's a reason why we put these people on pedestals is because they've done something to earn that spot. They've, they've, they have accomplishments already Learn from them, ask them questions. Cause they, they're not just going to, I mean, maybe some of them will, but all of them aren't going to keep their secrets and there's not really that many secrets. I mean, it's usually just, paying attention to the minor details, not skimping out on stuff, making sure your livestock is uh, is in the utmost uh, kind of facilities and care. It, it's not big things that these elite producers are doing. Uh, they're just doing it, them very well and very precise. Right. Yep. It's the little things. It is. It's the little things. Yep. Well, Tyler, plug your uh, plug pick and pile livestock because I, I want to. We're going to do your interview at some point uh, on a Thursday episode, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of plug your stuff and, and tell people what you're doing uh, on your operation. Yeah, so uh, pick and pile livestock um, kind of started uh, growing up. I my grandma um, gave me a chance to to go buy three little bottle lambs from a feedlot, a sheep feedlot around our area. And that's what I started with. And, and over the time, I kind of took some loans out. And as a kid, 12, 13 years old, invested in, in some larger groups of white-faced sheep and built a, a, a pretty nice commercial flock of sheep. And I didn't really ever show sheep growing up um, and uh, until, like, I got into high school. And I was more into showing pigs and then, you know, started getting a little more competitive with the sheep deal and decided I really liked it. So I kind of dwindled down on my commercial sheep and, and started investing in some brood ewes. And, man, it kind of sucked how it took 10 white-faced ewes to buy one good black ewe. Um, but, <laughs> that's how it goes but, sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's what we did, and that's how we got in the club ewes. And then, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, being around my place so much and or my folks' place, uh, that summer you and I looked at buying those door for ewes, and I ended up getting them put together and, and – um, 
so we got a bunch we had a bunch of hair sheep around and i i kind of grew a passion for that and i really like the hair sheep and i i take a lot of pride in, in raising a seed stock animal um i just when i was little we had hereford cows and i always thought that was really cool and i, I think that putting a seed stock breed back to our name is, is really important to me and so i really like the white dorpers so we're putting a lot of focus on those and like if you follow our program or or want to follow our program on facebook or instagram um plug that in there but uh Pick and, um, at Pick and Pile Livestock. Yep, yep, at Pick and Pile Livestock. And uh, um, you'll see that we're going to put a lot more emphasis on the Dorpers, the white Dorpers, because um, we really like those. But we're running about 20 head of white Dorper ewes and then um, about 50 head of club ewes, which is a, a dramatic decrease of the amount of club ewes we have been raising over the past couple of years or running. Um, but we decided, you know what, we're done screwing around. We're going to up the quality, decrease the quantity, save a little on the feed bill. So, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're looking for show sheep or looking for breeding stock or ewes or a buck lamb, man, look us up. Uh, we're not as expensive as some of those other guys, and I think we got the right kind of mindset. We're trying to build females. Um, you know, I like them sound. They got to be shallow. They got to have the right kind of head care. The next set, I like big legs, not necessarily wool. I just like big boned, stout scold sheep um, that are big bodied. I, I want to build ewes. You know, a lot of other guys put emphasis on weathers which is important because that's kind of what this club lamb deal is all about but my dream or our dream i should say um as a family and uh, my fiance and i going forward as we, we build this thing are trying to to strive and, and have production sales and online use sales that people can come and invest in our genetics and know that they're going to work and and they're going to work being nice and, and be kind of minimalistic uh like sheep should be so uh, that's what we're trying to do. Um, but, yeah, look us up, pickandpawlivestock.com, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I need to update all that stuff, but to follow us or reach out to me if you have any questions or are interested in some sheep this next year. Yeah, yeah, check them out. And, uh, thank you, Tyler, for taking time. You're awesome. I love you. Uh, and oh, I knew I, I, knew I had to have you on, dude. I mean, you, you know Kobe pretty well, and um, – I thought it'd be cool to have you on. I, I kind of like this having a guest on for my little callback episode. I just think it's fun. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're doing more than one a week because I'm getting kind of tired of having to wait a whole week to listen to your beautiful voice. Well, see, I sometimes we – some weeks I'm like, I'm pushing way too many st- things out. But as long as, as long as you, Tyler, are getting something out of the callback episodes, I'll keep doing them just for right. you. That's I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll listen. I don't miss one. So, well, is there you? Is there anything you want to talk about more on on Colby's episode? We kind of covered what what you wanted to talk about at least. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think that uh, Colby Birch has, has got a lot of interesting things to say, and and I hope that a lot of people listen to that interview and and realize, uh, you know these big sheep producers or any livestock producer, it, it, it's good to talk to them and to reach out to them. You can learn a lot and um, he's a good livestock mind. So, Yeah, and reach out to Tyler too. Tyler, you'll talk to anybody, won't you? Oh, yeah, shoot, yeah. yeah be in trouble, but I'll talk to anyone and I'll help anyone. So Exactly, even yeah. if you don't buy sheep from him. Oh, yeah, you don't got to buy sheep from me. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. I know. <laughs> that, see, that's... That's why I'm so bad at marketing. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you just help anybody. But that's good. That's a good attitude to have. <laughs> yeah, shoot. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Tyler, I really appreciate you taking some time. It's it's a little late in Nebraska right now, and I appreciate you uh, staying a little bit uh, past your bedtime today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Absolutely. I will talk to you later, sir, and uh, to the audience listening, I'll uh, talk to you on Thursday. See you, Tyler. Thanks, Gannon. Bye.